So yesterday we talked about the great decline of the Aussie pie. Pie sales across the ditch have dropped by 40% and some people are putting it down to the cost of living, aren't they? They are, yes. Um, we wanted to know what you thought. So we asked you if there was anything you had given up because of the cost of living. And uh, boy, it looks like people are giving up lots of stuff. It's I like know. Lent, uh, 12 months of the year. Um, Will said, we've had to end our weekly Sunday pizza delivery. It's a bummer. But the takeaways is. are actually the lion's share of, of what people came back to us with, right? And going out for dinner, variations on that theme. Yeah, that was a that was a common trend. Also had a few, say, flowers as a little treat to brighten up the house every now and again are also off the cards these days. But Lulu admitted she's joining the Aussies and ditching the pies as well because she says they're too, too expensive. Mince and cheese around the corner from here is $6.50 now. Everything is just so expensive. Yeah. Everything is expensive. Thanks for getting in touch. You know, we love it when you uh, pitch in on the show, so keep it coming. Anyway, to the show. Kia ora, this is News War. I'm Emil. And I'm Imogen. And this is what's worth talking about. Another government minister bites the dust over conflicts of interest. So what's the problem and how can it be fixed? We chat a bit about the benefits and drawbacks of renting versus buying. An AI researcher reckons he's figured out the recipe for writing hit songs. And naming a baby's hard, so where are Kiwis turning for inspiration? We've got all that coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support. Michael Wood is a minister no more. We got the news he's resigned after it was revealed his family trust held more shares than was originally thought. Remember, recently he was suspended after we learnt Michael Wood, then the transport minister, had shares in Auckland Airport. We now know the trust also had shares in Chorus, Spark and the National Australia Bank, which are all businesses that uh, would have been affected by various decisions Michael Wood made or helped to make during his time as a minister. Michael Wood, though, was asked after the airport stuff came out if he had anything else to declare. He claimed he didn't, and now he has lost his job. So here to unpack all of this is Stuff political editor Luke Malpass. Kia ora, Luke. Kia ora. Did Michael Wood lie to the BM here? Uh, the Prime Minister would not explicitly say that he was lied to, but at the very least he was misled, whether it's a sin of omission or commission. Um, I I don't think we'll ever really know. How big of a deal is all this? Why should people be caring about this situation? So this goes to probity. This goes to basically ensuring the rules are there to protect everyone, to make sure that we do not live in a corrupt country where um, ministers stand to make personal gain in their shareholdings from decisions they make as ministers. This is why you have to uh, disclose these interests and it's why you have to manage any conflicts around them. Now, it's important to note that it really doesn't appear that any of this has been done for any particular personal gain, but this is precisely why we have these rules, so that people can't line their pockets and, uh, more importantly perhaps, are seen that they are not doing so. Luke, we've got yet another government minister falling from grace here, yet another scandal over a conflict of interest. What What is going on? Is this a problem with people or a problem with the rules? So Chris Hippias has outlined five measures that he's taking to fix up the rules, basically um, make 
reporting of these things more frequent, have a yearly meeting in person with ministers and the cabinet office so they can run through everything. But to be honest, I don't think the rules are the problem here. I think the people have been the problem. And five times in the press conference, Chris Hipkins said a variation of, I don't understand what Michael's done here. Mm. He, he is just at, at a loss. It's not like ministers have to do these things themselves. They've got staff, they have executive assistants. After the last thing, Wood should, Wood should have you know, gone to someone in his office or done it himself, gone to their trust lawyer and said, what do we have shares in? And declared them all. Does it seem out of character for Michael Wood from your point of view? You know him. Well, you know, you, you've worked with him, you've interviewed him. Uh, three weeks ago, he would have been the last person who you would have guessed would be involved in something like this. And to be honest, the only word that I can think of that really describes the behaviour here is entitlement. Mm. I mean, these are basic rules that should be very easy to follow. And over a period of two years, as Hipkins said today, Wood simply didn't feel that he needed to comply with them. Uh, We're going to see some changes to how conflicts of interest are treated and disclosed Uh, within Cabinet. There's a mention they'll be looking to overseas models. Uh, Australia, I think, was specifically mentioned as well. What do we know about how the Aussies treat things like this? Yeah, in Australia, my understanding is basically you can only have a blind trust over which you have no visibility of what shares are put where. John Key had had a similar arrangement. And you, you pretty much have to divest yourself of, of any and all shares except for either a managed fund with a fund manager or your superannuation fund. Plenty of water to go under the bridge on this one, I imagine. Luke Malpass, thanks very much for your analysis there. Appreciate it. Thank you. Kia ora, I'm Adam Blair. I played the great game of rugby league for the Storm, Tigers, Broncos and the Mighty Warriors. And I'm Goran Paladin, sports presenter and rugby league fanatic. I won a World Cup too. I played 51 tests for New Zealand. Yeah, he's a national treasure, people. Come on. Blairy and I, we're joining forces for a brand new rugby league podcast called League of Our Own. Each week we talk Kiwis across the NRL and of course everything was. All the big names, the big stories. And some of my own stories too. Well, if we can make them fit. We'll make time. Okay. League of Our Own with Blairy and Goran. Debut ep dropping on Wednesday afternoon and every Wednesday after that. You can listen through stuff.co.nz or wherever you get your podcast. Proudly brought to you by Snap Rentals. Mate, your, your stories are way too long, eh? Nah, we've got to take them on a journey. <laughs> oh, the journey. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> if you think you know good music, turns out no one cares anymore because we have new research showing that AI can predict which songs are bangers before they even exist. We'll explain how in a couple of minutes. In the meantime, if you want more Newsable in your life, and who doesn't, you can find us on TikTok or Insta. Just search up Newsable NZ. And if you want to get in touch with us old school, you can send us an email, newsable at stuff.co.nz. There is this microscopic focus on whether we've reached the lowest point in the housing market slide, but does that mean we should be reaching into the coffers and seeing if buying a home is a realistic option, or should we be sticking to renting for the time being? So, to tease out the pros and cons with us, we have BNZ's Chief Economist Mike Jones for this week's The Pulse. Kia ora, Mike, how are you going? Kia ora, guys. Going very well. How are you? So good. Very interested about this topic as well. If you are weighing these two options up, what are the what are the pro factors to doing 
one or the other. Yeah, it's actually quite a, it sounds simple, but it's kind Mm. of quite a complex problem. I mean, I think the first thing is maybe to do a little bit of myth busting, because there is this idea that, you know, paying rent is kind of dead money out the door, which is not quite true. I think, you know, regardless of, of who you are, we all have to pay something to get a roof over our heads, whether you're renting, whether you own your house and have a mortgage, or even if you own your house and don't have a mortgage, you've still got some cash kind of locked up in an asset that could be somewhere else earning money. So look, there's a cost kind of regardless. Um, first point for me is kind of what's going out of your account or what might be going out of your account on a week to week basis. And then when it comes to potentially buying a house, there's a whole other piece to consider, which is, you know, what happens to house prices, which really is the crux of the issue, I think. And I guess the advantage of paying rent is that you pay a fixed sum every week regardless of what happens. And if something goes wrong with the house, that, I mean, it affects you, but you don't necessarily have to pay for that, right? Yeah, exactly. So what you're kind of getting at is the buying aspect is kind of a more riskier prospect inherently. There can be more gains, of course, but uh, you're kind of exposed to ups and downs in interest rates, ups and downs in house prices, and also stuff kind of going wrong, extra stresses, maintenance, rates, all of that. So so yeah, there, there are advantages both ways. But I think if you look at, you know, just week to week, generally speaking at the moment, renting's going to be cheaper because interest rates have risen a whole lot. I think the average rent now in New Zealand is about $550. You know, my kind of rough numbers are, you know, if you bought an average house with, say, a 20% deposit, your interest cost is probably 750 odd a week. And then you've got to add in some of the other stuff we talked about, insurance rates, et cetera. So that's another couple of hundred bucks. So the cash kind of leaving your account is, is going to be probably more at the moment for buying on average. But then, as we, you know, we haven't quite talked about it yet, but then there's the, well, what happens to house prices kind of consideration. And that can kind of end up trumping everything else, depending on what happens. And, the, and of course, the issue is... There's lots of speculation, but no one really knows what's going to happen. Which one impacts our economic well-being or scorecard the most? You know, you can kind of look at the hard-nosed financial stuff in, in your spreadsheet, you know, which tends to be in the remit of us economists. But also there's some big differences around, you know, the fluffier stuff when it comes to buying versus renting because, you know, owning a home, you've got that extra security around tenure. You can't be asked to leave uh, unless you decide to yourself. You can put your pictures up. You can kind of do what you like. So there's potentially some extra well-being factors involved. But on the other hand, as Emil said at the start, you know, you do have the extra stresses of, of owning a house, which is, you know, often why I think this whole decision almost boils down to a, uh, and it's very individual. Mike Jones from VNZ, thanks very much for your time. Really appreciate it. Hey, we're still going to talk about naming babies and how many people are doing that on one very particular theme at this point in time. Stand by to find out more. I promise it's a goodie. And if you are enjoying what you're hearing, chuck us a like and a follow on your favourite podcast platform. It'll help other people find us. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week, we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture, and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So, for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts.
we all know a banger of a song when we hear one. Gets your feet moving, you start singing along in your car, forgetting the windows are down, and everyone can still see you and hear you. You know, the deal. But in the fast-moving and ever-evolving world of AI, new research says the technology could help the music industry predict what is a banger before anyone even hears it. So how does this work, and is it the death of music? Professor Paul Zach from Claremont Graduate University is with us. G'day, Paul. How are you doing? Hey, how are you doing? Very well, thanks. Why do you want to destroy the magic in the world? <laughs> I hate magic. It's a, it's a great solution, actually. Um, we were approached, I was approached by a streaming service that said, we have a problem, which is 24,000 new songs are released worldwide every day, and we are doing our best to figure out which ones to suggest for people's playlists. And as you know, Emil... 90% of songs have 10 listens or less. That's the band and their moms, right? So how do we help those individuals create better music that people really want to listen to and help streaming services know where to put their energy to market and promote the songs that people are really going to love? Will it be able to tell an artist what you've written is a banger, but then also tell them how to write a banger? Yes, both of them. We've had people use our technology when they create some content to then edit it, modify it so that it really turns people's brains on. And that's where the brain science comes in. These emotional responses are deep in the old parts of the brain that are not open to conscious awareness. So we just ask people, do you like this music? Do you want to listen to it again? Would you share it with others? That has zero predictive ability. But by pulling data from people's old parts of their brain, we can predict with 97% accuracy which songs will be a hit or a flop. Paul, how did you actually conduct the study? Talk us through it. So this was run in my academic lab at Claremont Graduate University, and we have created a platform that allows us to infer activity from a network of systems in the brain that I call immersion, right? Like you're immersed in this song, in this music. So we pull data from the cranial nerves, which is like the brain's output file, using wearables and then apply algorithms that we've written in the cloud to measure in real time how much your brain values that experience emotionally second by second. And then we took that data from 33 people and we built a machine learning model to predict hits and misses, which by the way, was given to us from a streaming service. We didn't decide the songs. We didn't decide what was a hit or a flop. They said, here's the data, wait three months and we'll tell you how many streams all these songs had, how many people added it to their playlists and all that. So this is about a, as clean a study as you can do because there's no way for us to cherry pick the data. Sure. It's fascinating stuff. Paul Zach, uh, thanks so much for your time. What a pleasure. Thanks. You love a wacky survey. Boy, boy, we got a wacky survey. <laughs> this is one of my bugbears. People are unaware is people, companies doing surveys and then selling that surveys as research. Media companies being like, oh, new research. Says, but this is a great one, though. This, this is, is a fun. really good one. Yeah. Uh, this one's been done by Time to Play, and they've asked uh, more than a thousand sports enthusiasts how far they will go in their love for their favourite sports team. And according to this research, this is done in New Zealand. One in three New Zealand sports fans name their children after their favourite teams or players. <laughs> Teams or players? Who um? Who, so you who, name me your child Arsenal? Who's a, <laughs> don't play with that socket, Scunthorpe United. Put it down, Queen Park Ranger. <laughs>
<laughs> That's actually quite a gangster name, the yeah, Queen Park Ranger. Here's a good one. Would you skip a family event in order to catch a crucial game of your favourite sports team? <laughs> no, but I'd put it on at the family event. 37% of people said yes. <laughs> oh <my laughs> Sorry, Grandma, I can't go to your birthday. Oh. Um, the, ba- the black caps are paying. Would you get a permanent tattoo related to your favourite sports team? Oh, 24% of, of people said yes, and 28% said I already have one. <laughs> In all seriousness, though, if you were to think of a sport, is there a sports person you would actually name your child after? No, I, I don't. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't name a child after a person. No. I, I would. I, I have a name that I like um, that I'm not going to say. Oh, but I like the name because I like the name. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's fair. How about you? Uh, you know, I've got names that I like, and the other funny thing is that I worked in a school on my gap year. Right. And uh, you very quickly figure out what names you don't want to name your child after experiencing various behaviours. Oh, yeah. <laughs> would you, though, of course, we're going to chuck the question out to you, would you name your child after your favourite sports team or player? The idea of naming a kid after a team also makes me chuckle. Anyway, head to our Instagram page. Let us know if that is something you would do, are planning to do, have done. We'd love to meet a Queen Park Ranger. Uh, but that's news for today. I'm Imogen Wells. And I'm Amir Donovan. Have a good one. Have a great one. Catch you tomorrow. This pod took time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz slash support. I think you're conflating a whole bunch of issues. You don't want to be held to account well, no, on rising child no, abuse numbers. You can manipulate crime statistics. I, I promised I wouldn't have a tattoo about that got to journalism. Hang into the National Party's no, attack line there. That, that, I think that it would be a resignation offence if I didn't deliver tax reduction. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're, I'm not worried about it at all. Nothing if in there. That sits with you perfectly fine. That's what, we're, that's what we're focused on. Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts.